0: Dear friends in Christ, it was way back in eighth grade that I took a quarter of metal shop, and to my surprise, I really got into making things out of metal. It was a great quarter, and didn't seem like school. It seemed like just a lot of fun. I made a lot of simple things uh, during that quarter that I was proud of, and, and the quarter went by quickly, and and uh, some weeks later I found out that that teacher was offering a summer course in a metal shop for three weeks, and I signed up for it right away. During those three weeks in the summer, I, among other things, I made a, a magazine rack uh, out of metal and gave it to my folks. And uh, when I was in Seattle a couple weeks ago, uh, I noticed 50 years later that magazine rack was sitting by my dad's lazy boy chair filled with magazines. You never know what you can accomplish for others with a little extra training or schooling. You know, I went back to school that summer because I wanted to to go deeper into metalwork and to learn more. And and besides that, he was a great teacher. I learned a lot from him, even in those short weeks. And I was thinking about that, and I was thinking about our lesson today. Uh, Today we're going to go back to school, in a sense. We're going to go to Jesus' School of Discipleship. And I hope that you'll join me in in, uh, this refresher course in Christian discipleship, because you want to learn more. You want to go deeper. And because you know Jesus as the greatest teacher there ever was. You never know what you can accomplish, even in the spiritual realm, with a little extra schooling or training. Last Sunday, Pastor Kurt led us through Jesus' first lesson in this school of discipleship by looking at Jesus' response to his disciples' question, that question they came to Jesus with one day when they asked their master, Lord, we've been observing how you go off into the hills and pray, and when you come back, you're strong and you're refreshed. Teach us to pray like you do. And as a result of this teaching session with his disciples, Jesus shared with them and with us still today that wonderful prayer that we call the Lord's Prayer. And that prayer and, and through that specific teaching of Jesus 2,000 years ago helps us even today in our, our uh, Christian life and in our attempt to communicate with our Lord Jesus Christ. Another part of this school of discipleship that I want to make reference to today involves helping us as disciples of Christ, as followers of Christ, to understand why, why it's so important to go deeper in our faith and develop a stronger relationship with our Lord, and also what things Satan tries to use to keep us from doing just that, because Of course, he doesn't want us to get serious about our faith. Discipleship, or living out our Christian life, that's really what discipleship is all about. It's really serious business. For Christ is counting on us, you see, to influence others for his kingdom. It all depends on us. At the service for Betty Hanson this morning, past Wednesday, several mentioned how she seemed to take advantage of every, every opportunity she had to show the love of Christ. And that was so true. Even when she was in the hospital off and on these last uh, weeks and, and months, she witnessed to, to the medical staff there about what was in her heart. And, and I shared in my sermon those words that she had written down Um, uh, a few years ago, she said, I awake each day knowing that Jesus has something for me to do that day because I'm still in the land of the living and my future is as bright as the promises of God. I realize that I am a child of the King and that makes me feel special. That's the kind of attitude that is the basis for christian discipleship because discipleship and commitment to our lord is serious business that old adam in us rebels or at times fills us with fear and we're reluctant to let go of 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 our of our lives totally sometimes and 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 those those self-imposed priorities that we have built up. We're afraid to let go and to to give ourselves fully to God. We're also resistant sometimes to the invitation to get more serious about Christ because we really don't believe Jesus is capable of taking us where we want to go in life. We have our thoughts about that. And if it fits in with what Jesus wants, that's good. But do we believe that he has a path for us that is much better than anything we ourselves could come up with. So from time to time, and I have to admit this in my own life too, I have to face that reality that sometimes I haven't given every single part of my life to the Lord. I have to repent of my lack of loyalty at times and pray that, that, uh, Through that struggle, I will emerge to, to have a greater commitment than ever before with our Lord Jesus Christ. To do this, though, we all need to look first to Jesus and the example that he has set for us. You know, when Jesus came to earth, the Father made it known to his Son of his plan for the redemption of mankind. The plan that he had had for the rescue of his people from their rebellious ways. We're thankful that Jesus agreed with that plan and surrendered his will to his father's will. You know, he was tempted just like we are at times. He was tempted in the wilderness. He was tempted uh, in the Garden of Gethsemane, and I'm sure at other times too, to change that plan or negate that plan, but he stuck to it. He trusted his Father, he accepted the plan, and as a result, the world was saved from sin. As we are reminded of our commitment to our Lord Jesus Christ, we have to ask ourselves that question, am I abiding in my Father's will and purpose for my life? And if we are, what is our response then? Why should we follow his example? Why should we trust him completely with our lives and serve him throughout all our days? I think there's four basic reasons. First of all, he created us. He knows us better than anyone else. He knows what we can become and the impact that we can have if we totally dedicate ourselves to him and use the gifts that he has given us. He's given us a lot. What gifts do you have that you are using to serve the Lord day by day by day? And is that your first priority? Secondly, if we love our Lord, wouldn't we want to do anything and everything to please him? This past Friday, Sandy and I took our three-year-old grandson, Caleb, for his first ride on the carousel. And I'll tell you, I'll never forget the thrill in his voice throughout that ride and the fact that he couldn't stop talking about it for the rest of the day. You know, grandparents want to do a lot of great things that give their grandkids thrills. But I was thinking about that. What great joy in the heart of Jesus is also there when each of us, each day, do those things that bring God's love to other people around us. That thrills his heart. And if we love our Lord, don't we want to do those things that, that thrill him? May we all be able to hear those words from our Lord's lips someday when we enter the gates of heaven. Well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. Thirdly, we dedicate our lives to him because he desires to have a close and intimate relationship with us. He he calls us not only to be his disciples, but to be his friends, his children. He desires that we talk to him every day and enjoy that fellowship that he provides through the spirit that is planted within us. We don't have to be afraid because he promises never to leave us or forsake us. Scripture tells us that. And fourthly, we follow him because he has shown his love to us by dying on the cross so that we could be forgiven and receive the gift of eternal life. Where else could we find someone that has has given us so much in our days here on earth? All these things are reasons why we are called to follow our Lord, not just in a lukewarm, surface-type way, but in a deep and abiding way. Of course, the temptation comes to try to find someone or something that we think will please God or give us true fulfillment in life apart from God. And Paul, in our lesson today that Sierra read for us, reminds the believers in Philippi that in his early years of life, he was confident that God was pleased with him because he had been circumcised, he was a faithful Jew, he had great zeal for his religion, he was faultless in his obedience to the law, and the list went on and on. And he lists all that but then he says, but whatever gains to me because of those things. I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ my Lord. I consider all those other things garbage, that I may now gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law. No, that's not how we... Uh, come come to know God personally, but that which is through faith in christ he says that 's my top priority now in other words i 'm a righteous person, not because of obedience to the law, but because what has what Jesus has done for me through his work on the cross. For the farmer in our gospel text today, he had all those possessions that made him feel secure. He didn't think he had anything to worry about in life, but he died with his barn full of grain. There was nothing wrong with having a barn full of grain, but Scripture says his heart was empty. Jesus said a man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Instead, he challenges the people before him, and us today, to be rich by being filled with the things of God. We need to be ready for whatever is around the the corner because we don't know what life has in store for us day by day. Evangelist D.L. Moody once said that the greatest mistake that he had ever made occurred on October 8th, 1871. On that night in Chicago, he addressed one of the largest crowds in his career as an evangelist. His message was about our Lord's trial and was based on Pilate's question to him, what shall I do then? Or to the crowd, what shall I do with Jesus here? As Moody concluded, he said, I want you to seriously consider and think about this subject. For next Sunday, we will speak about the cross. And at that time, I'm going to ask you a question. What will you do with Jesus? Ira Schenke sang then, after the sermon, the closing hymn for that service, which included the lines, Today the Savior Calls. For refuge flies, the storm of justice falls, and death is nigh. Those were appropriate words because that closing hymn that she sang never was finished. Because right in the middle of her solo, all of a sudden there was the roar of fire engines on the street outside. That was the night of the great Chicago fire, which almost destroyed the whole city, of course. Before the next day came, Chicago lay in ashes and D.L. Moody was quoted as saying I have never since dared, he said to give an audience a week to think about their salvation. None of us know what the week ahead will bring. Next week may be Too late to make sure of our relationship with our Lord and our commitment to him. No, Christ doesn't promise that following him will be an easy task. Jesus once asked his disciples when some of of the crowd started to go away, when his words became kind of tough to listen to, and he looked at his disciples and he said, Will you also go away? And Peter responded right away, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. May that also be our response as we are given that invitation again today to follow our Lord. Who else can give us the joy and security and contentment in life that our Lord Jesus does? Who else or what else can do that? No one. No thing. So today, I ask you in the quietness of your own heart to respond to this invitation again. To ask yourselves, have I gone as deep in my relationship with the Lord as he wants me to? Am I just kind of a a surface Christian? we're called today to rededicate ourselves, you see, to being a disciple 24-7. Amen.